All right, time for us to check in with Vaughn Palmer on this Monday morning. Hello, Vaughn. Good morning, Simi. Okay, so we have an update this morning about this BCGEU job yeah. action and what it's going to look like. Yeah, and I have to say shrewd planning by the union. Uh, they're looking, of course, to put pressure on the government uh, because they've been in talks for a long time. Uh, strike notice expires at mm, about 3 o'clock this afternoon, and at 3.30 the picket lines go up around the liquor and cannabis distribution centers. So Delta, Richmond, um, Burnaby, and Victoria, I think. Uh, Oh, Kamloops. Um, Now, I mean, in terms of strategy, this is one of the pressure points for the union, and it's interesting what they've done. They're not putting up picket lines at the retail liquor stores, so that would affect the public's access. They're putting up the picket lines at the distribution centers. That puts pressure on businesses that pick up their booze there, so restaurants and so forth. And of course, it also puts pressure on the government because a big chunk of government revenue comes from the sale of liquor. So uh, this is just a first step, but as a first move to put pressure on the government, I think this is a shrewd one. Okay, so we'll have to see how this... Uh, there's so many people who are watching this, right, Vaughn? Like, yeah. not just because of this particular union and what's going on, but other unions who are still waiting. Oh, you're right. I mean, every union uh, in the public sector is talking to the government. Uh, talks are at different stages. There's well, almost 200 agreements of one kind or another, 400,000 workers. So it's huge. And in this case, uh, the GEU is going first, I mean, in terms of action. So... But the issue for all public sector workers and unions is the cost of living. The union's looking for protection from cost of living, either what they call a COLA clause, an allowance that would allow for it, or a more generous pay offer than the one that's on the table right now. The government pay offer is in the 10 to 11% range over three years. With inflation running as high as it is at the moment, the union says that amounts to a pay cut. Okay, so obviously we'll have to see how that works out. But as you pointed out, it's this afternoon that that, that the 72-hour strike notice expires at, what, 3 o'clock? Yeah, it expires at 3 o'clock. And don't worry about lining up at your local liquor store. Uh, Supplies running out right away. That's not going to happen because they're not putting up picket lines around uh, the retail outlets. They're simply doing it at the distribution center. And over time, of course, that will have a cascade effect throughout uh, the entire province. Okay, so that'll be a developing story today. Also on the weekend, I almost got by me when I saw this headline, but I realized the premier called the by-election for South Surrey. Yes, so uh, Stephanie Cajou, the liberal member for Surrey South, uh, moved on to big federal job as uh, um, kind of a national commissioner on disability rights and access and so forth. So Cajou has moved on to that job. Uh, They've had a few weeks to call the by-election, but the Premier has set the date for September the 10th. Uh, You have to be living in Surrey South to vote if you want to know where the riding is, because I don't think a lot of us know exactly where our riding is. Uh, You can look on the Elections BC website and see where the boundaries are. Uh, How to register to vote, you have until August the 31st to do that. And advanced voting starts on September the 1st. Voting day closing, uh, in-person balloting, is September the 10th. Okay, so what are the consequences here? Like, what what are the risks for both parties? Well, it, it's a must-win for the B.C. Liberals. It's their seat, and 
Surrey, the Liberals almost got shut out in Surrey in the 2020 election. So they really gotta, they've really got to win this. Uh, party leader Kevin Falcon, when he was in politics before, you know, used to represent a Surrey riding himself. The last election, uh, well, I'll give you the example. The Liberals in 2017, and that was the election where they lost their legislative majority, they still won Surrey South by almost 5,000 votes. But in 2020, much closer, down to 1,200 votes. The New Democrats are running the same candidate again, educator Pauline Graves. The Greens are already in with an SFU student, Simran Sarai, and the Liberals are running Eleanor Sturko, uh, RCMP sergeant on leave. And I, Sturkey, Sturko would qualify as a star candidate, just given the uh, the basics of her resume. I, I When she announced, when the Liberals announced and posted a video way back in May, of her plans to run. Uh, it was one of the new Democrats that I know commented, how come she's not running for us? Mm-hmm. I'm fairly impressed with her. Uh, the video was uh, quite charming, actually, I have to say. Maybe that's not the right way to describe an RCMP sergeant. But anyway, I thought it was. Uh, she's a good candidate, obviously, to deal with crime and chronic offenders. And the video... Uh, she and her partner, Melissa, and their three children, uh, you know, it was an impressive launch. So, and this, this by-election is different from some of the other ones that we've had, right? For instance, that last one we saw in Vancouver, Kilchenna, there was, there was no hope, really, that the NDP were going to come close in that one. No, there wasn't. And in this one, I think you'll see a, a big push by the New Democrats. Even, even in Kilchenna, you know, where they didn't have much of a chance, they... They tried out a lot of their slogans against Kevin Falcon, and I think we'll see more of that. Uh, you're, we'll also be looking at a couple of other things in this by-election. One is how the Greens do. You know, the Greens have been taking on the NDP on a number of environmental issues in downtown east side, homelessness, health care waiting. And they will make an argument to NDP supporters, you know, if you're kind of fed up with the New Democrats and you don't want to go back to the Liberals, vote for us. The other thing I think will be happening out there is we don't have a B.C. Conservative candidate yet, but I expect we will. And they have until the 20th of August to nominate somebody. So what, that's next Saturday, the coming Saturday. Um, And... They, of course, uh, just as the Greens can take votes away from the NDP, uh, the Conservatives can take votes away from the Liberals. For the Greens, you were talking about the challenge for them, but they're also running a student. So that is somebody who might be able to appeal to the younger voters. Uh, I think that's true. And as I said, you know, it's uh, I mean, by-elections are a chance for people to vote against the government without changing the government. So that's why opposition parties almost always win by-elections. It's a chance to sort of vent and say, you're not doing well enough, but uh, smarten up. But it doesn't mean you change the government at the next election. So I think that's the Greens will certainly be using that. And as I say, the issue, we don't have a conservative candidate out there yet, but we probably will have one. Uh, The B.C. conservatives are reactivating themselves they will or try, I think, to take votes from all parties, but obviously the risk is they'll take votes from the Liberals. And if they take enough votes, they took 7% of the vote in the by-election in Quilchenna. Well, 7% of the vote is uh, more than the gap 
between mm-hmm. the liberals and the new democrats last time it was only down to less than five percent so that could have an impact the, the uh, conservatives have until the 20th of august which is what this coming saturday to nominate a candidate so they've got time to get somebody in there and i think that'll make it an even more interesting race yeah it does sound interesting too also speaking of races how's the ndp leadership race going i know we have an official kickoff event today yeah so uh angelie apatarai the uh, candidate uh challenging to david eb has got her official launch this afternoon or this evening Robson Square there's a meet and greet and then there's an actual rally which they're going to stream you know uh, (laughs) when she announced I think one of the first questions was has she got $40,000 because that's the entry fee the New Democrats have set a high entry fee to get into this race well she hit the ground running she raised the entire $40,000 at one event her first fundraiser last week. So clearly she's serious, and clearly her supporters are serious too. That's a lot of money to put together at very short notice. Boy, that's going to make this race really interesting. Yeah. She's also weighed in with the, on the side of the GEU. I mean, oh. it's on the ball, right? As soon as the GEU announced the strike vote on the weekend, Apatari uh, was out on Twitter saying, my solidarity is with the public sector workers. See you on the picket line. Now, that is a really sharp challenge to the government because the mandate that the government has, has, which the unions have rejected the offer, well, that mandate is approved by the cabinet, and it was approved by the cabinet back when David Eby was still a member of the cabinet. So uh, this is, uh, again, I say shrewd move. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. she's out there siding with the union, which is at the moment not very happy with the government. And, uh, Simi, what happens if a bunch of angry members of the public sector unions decide to join the NDP mm-hmm. to uh, get involved in the leadership race? This is, this is shaping up as a very interesting challenge to the government. I have to say already she's doing better than I thought she would. Yeah, it's fascinating all of a sudden. All right, Vaughn, thank you. Bye-bye, Simi.